Hello, hello. This is your host, Vicki Dean. Welcome to today's episode of Expand With Me, a podcast all about life, business and parenting. To keep you up to date with what's coming up, please be sure to follow me on the gram at underscore Vicky Dean underscore and hit subscribe to this podcast so that you can find it quick in the future. I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get straight to it. Welcome to the Expand With Me podcast. I have this amazing woman that I am so excited to um, have in the studio today. Her name is Brooke Dunlop. She's a mum, a coach, a former world champion, athlete and psychology student. Welcome, Brooke. Welcome. So Thank excited you. to meet you. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited to be on. I know. It's like um, I've known of you for so, so long and it was funny. My husband said to me, I've always followed you and, you know, liked your stuff and he goes, Vic, you will not believe how similar you and Brooke are because <laughs> you've known Brendan for a while now. Yeah? Ages, yeah, yeah. And, and even he said that. He said it to me a few times. He's going, fuck, man, like... It's like looking in a mirror, like the both and the way that you behave and the way that you react to things. And yeah, he said it to me a heap of times. I'm like, well, I already like it then. Perfect. <laughs> now we we were just chatting beforehand. You you ran a gym. It was what was it called? I had the concept oh, first. Yeah. Yes, you had the and then, and then when I left there, I opened uh, more of an exclusive gym in Redhead called The Only. The Only, that's right. You were just saying that you closed it down. Now that was a surprise to me because um, I didn't, I didn't realize that that had happened. I'd seen on your socials that something was changing, but then I still saw some videos afterwards, and I thought, oh, well, maybe not much has really happened. Maybe she's gone online, and but you've always done online as well, haven't you? I've done. <laughs> I've done some online. I don't really like online. Vic, that's like, you know, we were just talking about it before about how now that your business is sort of solely online, which is mine, is sort of going in that direction as well. And I struggle with that because I feel like my strength and your strength as well is that personability. Yeah. And then when you have, you know, I mean, every second person's got an online business now and, mm. and you know, especially in fitness and yes. you have all these girls and guys um unqualified inexperienced yeah that are making pretty good money based on you know their looks or or whatever it is um and and I think that that's never really been my strength my strength has been what we spoke about before um you know creating vulnerability in our clients so that they want to achieve more and that they do overshare and we can delve a little bit deeper into why they're not achieving the things that they want to achieve and that sort of thing. And I find it really hard. I mean, you're nailing it at the moment and and obviously you said that it's a struggle too, that you're still learning how to do that mm. via, you know, via Zoom and via yeah. these online platforms and, and it's yeah. it's pretty tough. So, um yeah, so whilst I'm, I, I am doing a little bit of online, like I'm struggling with that sort of thing as well because I've always done my training face-to-face. Face-to-face, yeah. So tell me, where do you train now? When I closed the, the gym, the, the, yeah. the only in Redhead, like I had that for six and a half years, I took some of the machines home. So we've got okay. a nice little garage set up now, which you guys yeah. have got as well, I yeah. understand. Yeah. And, and that's good. I mean, commitment and discipline's never been an issue for me. So. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's sort of just catching dust or it's become a clothesline in the garage as, you yeah, know, a lot, a lot of people, people do when they, <laughs> when they take the good idea of doing the home gym. Um, 
So I do a lot of training in in there as well. Um, but then I just sort of do all my hypertrophy stuff and machine stuff at um, any time fitness. Awesome. Now, so what I the theme of this podcast is about change, and we talked quickly before. And something I've observed is you and I. I think we're uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like we're quite um, direct. We our coaching style is not for everyone. Um, we call a spade a spade. I think there's a lot of integrity in the way that we, I know that's one of my values anyway. And in, in everything that I do with the work that I do, there's a lot of leadership in my, um, energetic blueprint as well, which is really interesting, but leadership was always something it was, I demand, it was a demanding respect rather than earning respect, if that makes sense for me personally, um, I really had to learn how to step into that leadership role and be able to have those challenging conversations where you're holding compassion because I could be so direct, you know, but everyone deserves kindness and respect. It was one of those, I was really having to navigate this. And um, what I, what I, what we're, what this theme is, is about the change and the, the evolution that we go through as human beings, let's be honest. We're we're on the um the end the end of thirties early forties. <laughs> well, like that, but anyway, yeah. And um and you've been in the fitness industry for a long time, well, your whole life, yeah. Whole life, yeah. Yeah. So straight out from school, you went in and you did like how did that all kick off? You know, like what was it that drew you to this? Because this is a it's a form of transformation. Let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I came. You know, I was raised by a man, so um, my mum died when I was when I was ten, and my sister eight. I so, didn't know that. What you know that? No. Yeah. So so yeah. So she died of lung cancer. Um. So we were raised by my father, and mm-hmm. so a lot of um, a lot of the stuff that we did was sports based, or was that more masculine? So I never danced. I didn't do ballet. I didn't do all the pretty makeup and and that sort of thing. My dad let me dress myself from when I was ten years old and that sort of thing. So you know, a lot of this he had a gym at the back of his house. Yeah. So you know, that's sort of where if we'd have friends over, we'd hang out up there, and you know, you might do one pull up and then can carry on what playing your game or, or whatever. Um, so I'd already sort of always been around it and then when I started playing sport and started being quite good at sport and doing you know rep netball and rep touch football I remember asking my dad for a gym membership for one of my birthdays or Christmas or something it was and I think I was about 15 um and I I tell this story quite often because it is such a pivotal moment in my life Mm -hmm. that I remember there's so much that I have blocked out of my past and whatnot but I can totally tell you the minute that I fell in love with fitness was Mm -hmm. walking in and watching this woman teach this class Mm -hmm. and looking at her body and looking at how everybody was so invested and like she was this god and you know, they were all doing the same movements. And this is more when I was into more the aerobic side and the choreography side. Um, and I was just like, holy fuck, like that is the epitome. That is, you know, I that, that's it. That's Because I always wanted to be a vet, I remember, as I was young. I was always animals, which I still love animals. But um, then I was just like, shit, man, you know, like I'm, I'm just coming here to just walk on the treadmill and practice, you know, getting a little bit of fitness up for my rep touch football. 
And then I just started whopping school to do these classes. There'd be a 9.30 class that I'd want to do that this instructor was taking. So I, I'd tell dad, yep, I'm going to school. And I'd walk all the way, like 35 minutes to get to this gym and do a class. And, and that's sort of where it started for me. And that, it, ironically, that's the, the first gym that I worked at as well a couple of years later. Interesting. It's um, the, the thing that has always drawn me to CrossFit, for example, and, and training has been women because when you see a woman that is so confident and you can see the hard work and dedication just in the way that they look, like that's, that's commitment, right? It doesn't, doesn't just happen. And that has always been mm-hmm. something that has inspired me to keep training. I've always looked up to the women. I see men and it's very inspirational that people commit and do the, the, the hard work. But for me to see a woman, and, and you would probably have seen this as well, when um, women come to the gym, they walk in and they're really timid and they're a bit hunched over and a bit quiet and then give them three to four months of lifting weight and, mate, their the whole demeanour changes, they're open up through their chest, they're, you know, they're just holding their own and it's just incredible, isn't it, to see that in the gym. Yeah, it's funny. It's, in my experience, just for so many years, I, you know, there'd always be, um, and, you know, I'd like to say I can, you know, I could rattle off five or six times just off the top of my head and there's probably many more where um, men have tried to talk their female partners out of coming and seeing me at the gym for that reason. Yes. Because always, you know, they're coming from these abusive relationships or toxic relationships in some cases. Some cases yeah. it, it might yeah. not be, but certainly, you know, a male-dominated relationship and all of a sudden exactly what you said, having that air about them and that confidence and that power and yeah. inner strength as well yes. as the physical strength that, 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 that training provides I think is, um, you know, yeah, it, it's very intimidating for a lot of weak not yeah. not all, but not weaker men. Yes, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. And, you know, I've, I've thought about um, when you, like you've had your fair, cha- fair share of challenges throughout your life and um, I put a post up a couple of days ago and you commented on that, like, holy shit, our life is so, and that, that was actually a dulled down version of what I, yeah. my experience. And, and I know everyone's experiences are unique and no, none is worse or harder or, you, you know, there's people out there that have even more challenged. We're all on our own journey. But give me a little um, rundown of what it's been like to be Brooke Dunlop, single mum, marriage breakdowns, relationships and how you've just pulled yourself back up and do you believe that the training background that you've had, that resilience, that that sort of the, the power that you have as a woman having that physical fitness, do you think that that has been the thing that's helped you get back up again and, and keep going? Um, yeah, definitely. Like I'm going to open up with a few things that I probably haven't told anyone, I don't think, oh. except for my partner. See, there we go. Mm-hmm. that line five again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I was diagnosed with ADHD last year. Mm-hmm. Last year, I think, maybe. Was it last year or the year before? What are we, 2023? 2021, I think, I was, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Now my son has ADHD. So it was more the case of sort of, you know, trying to parent someone with special needs and accommodate and again once you said you know 
we are we have a direct style we have a way of doing things we are direct here and then when you force a parent a child that doesn't respond well to that style of leadership or mm-hmm. parenting, um, it forced me to really step back and go fuck like I can't talk to him like I talk to my daughter and mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing and so it also made me quite aware that we were very similar in some of the ways mm-hmm. Because I was very good at giving direction mm-hmm. and being hard and fast, but I found it, I was almost confrontational to people that would give me that same sort of leadership and direction. I was, I opposed it, I just sort of challenged it a little bit. So, yeah, it forced me to have a look at, you know, how I was, some of my behaviors and, and, once I was diagnosed, it made complete sense. But the one thing, and, and the reason I'm saying, you know, telling this story is because the one thing I remember the psychiatrist said to me was that the majority of people with ADHD are usually um, addicted to some sort of substance, whether it be alcohol, food or drugs. Um, but when he wrote the letter back or the report back to my GP, his his words were, and I'll keep this letter forever, was she is so blessed that she found fitness so mm. early in her life because mm-hmm. that became her addiction. Yeah. And it meant that she didn't have she didn't seek addiction or seek, you know, some sort of fallback in the in the form of substance abuse or alcohol abuse, um, that she had that. Mm. Um so I forget what your question was. Look, I'm just like rambling, rambling. But <laughs> it's about it was about yeah, you've been diagnosed with ADHD, and you, my question was well, it wasn't really a question; it was just a conversation. I've we've had those challenging moments within our life. Did you believe that? Do you believe that um, fitness helped you? And I I do remember. I, I remember seeing something ages and ages ago. You were breaking up. You were going through the breakup with your youngest daughter's father. Mm-hmm. And it was quite tumultuous for you. How did you move through that? Looking back now, for me, I look back at the way I moved through my breakup and there, there was a period there about six months where I was so reactive and I mine has always been anger and quite aggressive anger mm-hmm. and, um, and something that comes with a lot of shame as well when you have that and when you have those outbursts and that really was heightened during that period and I always think to myself now, I wish I had the skills then that I have now. I wish I could understand what my nervous system and how jacked I was within my nervous system, having the tools I'm able to calm that and help myself through those things. How do you feel about the whole experience when you look back? Hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yeah, look, exactly the same. And that's something I still struggle with. I'm still a very reactive person and I'm I'm aware of it though. I'm very self-aware. I think I am, yeah, first step. (laughs) I am better at it. Mm. Um, But, yeah, my first reaction, you know, if someone is to, and that's part of the ADHD and that low-level autism side is that, you know, we're black and white and if someone says, you know, the sky is green, for some reason... I cannot rest unless I prove the sky is fucking blue. Like I, and everyone believes me, and and that was my biggest issue, I think, then because, you know, I was in a toxic relationship. It had been toxic not just through the breakup, but for the entire relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I say toxic, I'm you know mature enough now and experienced enough now to say that 
I definitely, it, you know, it wasn't one-sided. No. You know, whilst mm. he may have been the original abuser, it certainly didn't bring out the best side of me. And, mm. you know, and, and I always say with my partner now, you know, he's been through similar things and it's like how good is it that we bring the best out in each other? Like mm. we don't display those behaviours mm. we're ashamed of. Yeah. The, in those past relationships with each other, yeah, which is beautiful. So, you know, I don't want to go and say, you know, I wasn't toxic or I didn't display, you know, irrational mm. behaviours. But, yes, I was very reactive and, and very angry. And, you know, we spoke about earlier that I am an oversharer and mm. I'm not afraid to be who I am and to tell the truth, yeah. um, whether it's, you know, shameful or it's, or it's otherwise. Um, mm. And I think that that's you know, it, it was kind of to my detriment because, you know, you had this abusive person that was quiet mm. and wasn't saying a lot mm. or, or was, but it wasn't, you know, on social media certainly mm. and it wasn't to this. He didn't have as big an audience as what I had. So every time that I was loud, people were hearing about it. You know, you mm. didn't even know me. You were hearing yeah. about it. You know yeah. what I mean? So, and yeah. I think with that comes with the, you know, the, misunderstanding that the loud person and the honest person is sometimes they're okay they're all right they're handling it what about the poor guy that's not saying anything yeah he was the abuser he was the one throwing the keys on top of the roof so I couldn't leave the house and then I'd blast on social media but everyone would go oh book's going off on this tangent now Mm. this poor guy is getting his private life plastered all over but that's yeah so, so whilst you know Whilst absolutely there is a lot of shame with the way that I did handle things, mm-hmm. would I handle it differently now? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, one million yeah. percent. Um, yeah. but, but I do, I do defend, or I, I guess I understand why people do those sort of things, and yeah. and what comes with that, you know, that that the judgment that comes with that, that if they are the loud person and they are the direct person and they are the one that is able to communicate that they must be the aggressor or they must be the abuser and the quiet yeah. one, the one that doesn't have the following, doesn't have the voice, um, you know, sort of gets away scot-free. So it makes it even more reasonable for you to sort of step back and go, hang on a second. Mm. You know, you do that whole, if you still feel the same way tomorrow, post it. Or if you yeah. still feel the same way tomorrow, yeah. then send the text, you That's know, which right. I'm still working on. But um, yeah, I'm definitely, you look at my Facebook, I had to close down my last Facebook. I had 5,000 friends, another 10,000 followers, but the history on that was just horrible. It was disgusting. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed and I've got children now that are on social media yeah. that I never want to be able to, for them to see me behave the same way that I chastised yeah. them for behaving. So Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, def- definitely, um but, but, yeah, to answer your question, fitness fitness has been my constant the whole way through. Did you find it challenging when you were going through a breakup? When I did, I'd stand there and look at my bar and I'd be crying. I just can't even lift this. So I went from training hectic. It was in between when I went individuals. I'd done really well one year and then I was coming into the second year, uh, the third year, and I hardly trained during that period. Still qualified, but I just couldn't. I just didn't have it in me it was to really but that was obviously now looking back again it was me not having the tools and being able to manage my emotions and manage to you know move through those things so it was fitness something you managed to just it was just your constant like you said yeah see what you're explaining now I got that after 
Ah. I've got that when I met my wonderful dream husband who is the most perfect human that I've ever met. I do remember um, watching you. I think we talked during that period. I think we were both doing quite similar things and you were like, oh, just having a cocktail and I'm just, just, I've never done this before in my life. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, yeah, I think it was more just being in that survival mode through that breakup Yeah, that fitness, again, was my drug where a lot of people do turn to alcohol or drugs or, yeah. you know, yeah, or whatever it might be, you know, that's, that, that depression. And I didn't feel that then. I didn't. I was so dead. And, and you know, I had to raise these, these three kids yeah. by myself, you know, and, and the father of my first two is an amazing father amazing father like, and you have a good relationship we, we did have a good relationship for a long time but as you know when you've got new partners and things like that that sort of changes the dynamic but I will always stand by my word that he is I'm blessed I am blessed so good. yeah for the fact of you know all the disagreements that we have and the things that we don't agree on and the conflicts that we do still have I never have to worry about my older two children ever. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, for that, you know, you'd you'd, you'd pay a million bucks. Yeah, um, of course. But but yeah, so so f- during that breakup, um, no, I was great. I was I was driven. I was still training. It was more when I met Matthew because I had two years after that relationship breakdown. I had two years of being single. <laughs> so. you know, I, I, yeah, I went on one date. I remember one date, like at the twelve month mark, and I was like, "Ugh, this is I, I'm." I almost got too comfortable being alone and too, you know, I was like, I'm happy with my cats and my kids and I, my Netflix and I think I'm going to be just fine. But it was more when I became happy and mm. I could breathe. Mm. I wasn't in survival mode anymore and I wasn't having to get up at 3.30 in the morning because I want to work and get that money and be home to feed my kids breakfast when they wake up in the morning and do their lunches. And so yeah. when I didn't have to do that, that's when I hit that. And it was, it, and that was scary because everything in my life was going so well. Like this beautiful relationship, a beautiful home, happy kids, but I couldn't train anymore. Mm. I just didn't have any. I was so exhausted, and mm-hmm. and the fact that I could break and I didn't have to work as hard, I was just yeah, I sort of lost myself a little bit. And I'm still sort of coming out the the back end of that now. I'm still sort of you know I'm getting a little bit better. Yeah. But, yeah, that was when I sort of felt that where I'd look at the bar and go, fuck, I don't want to be here. We've trained for such a long, well, you have. I haven't. I'm, mine's been 12 years I've been into fitness. And it's still, still a long, long time. To train at that level as well because you were, um, let's just talk about this, you were former three times Miss Australia, former Miss World, former professional athlete, coach of world champions and Australian champions. So, You've, you know, you've got some pretty amazing um, accolades there and, you know, that takes commitment, you know, to be an athlete and train to that level of, you know, standing on the stage and, and placing, especially in amongst all those other athletes, that's, um, it, it's commitment and hard work and, you know, I feel like what was it like for you, you know, to to commit to that training? Did, did it come easy or was it something that you really did have to focus on? Now, now that I look back um, and with my recent diagnosis, I, I can sort of see because I've always 
I've always heard from everyone, how do you do it? How do you do it? You are superwoman. And I'd be like, well, you can do it too. But little did I know that there was this thing in my I was obsessive compulsive. Like I was, that was my drug and that was my way of dealing with this ADHD and this developmental delay and, and what was going on in my head is that I needed to be doing something all the fucking time. Mm. You know, and they say, you know, you hear so much that that's often a trauma response and whether that was part of it as well, you know, mm-hmm. is so that you, you didn't have to be alone with your thoughts or you didn't have to contemplate your past or why you are the way that you are or are you doing a good enough job parenting by yourself? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you know, as we say, you know, I'm reflective of all of that sort of stuff these days and, and mm-hmm. sort of trying to figure it all out. But it was never hard for me ever. Yeah. It was mm. never hard for me, you know. Dieting was always hard because I love my food, yeah. and that's still—that's really the only reason that I won't haven't competed in the last what seven or eight years—is because I just I love my chocolate way too much. Yeah. So the training's not an issue for me, you know. I yeah. I, I will get up at three thirty. I did it for you know ten years. Get up yeah. at three thirty, um, have a sleep through the day, but train twice a day minimum. Um, so yeah, so that was never an issue for me and it sort of always gave me purpose um and I feel like that you know growing up that I needed that sort of that that identity and and I think I was sort of you know where where most families sort of I guess think that they're going to get married and settle down and be happy I think in the back of my head now that I think about it I was always like the other person can die at any time. Look what happened to my mum. And my dad had never changed a nappy before. And all of a sudden he had a 10-year-old girl and an 8-year-old girl and had to raise them by himself. Mm-hmm. So I think I always had that lingering over me going, fuck, at any point I might have to do this by myself even if my relationships are perfect and we do carry on to live happily ever after, you know, and that I'm going to have to raise these kids. So mm-hmm. I think that that always was a kid in drive for me and, and the back scenes of things and that's part of the reason I feel like I was so dedicated and committed and why I don't feel like I am as much these days. Mm. You said something um, about um, uh, you training and being an athlete but when you and that identity that comes with that now this is something that I've just when I that I went through and it was it's probably been more so in the last two years ago, I've competed at CrossFit and done well with CrossFit, made a career out of it. And, but I struggled when I was shifting into this new space. When I started to shift into this different space and not using so much of the physical aspect, I actually struggled with letting go of my identity of a CrossFit athlete. It was really interesting to watch myself go through that. So when you, you've competed at such a high level, or you've done, you miss Australia for three, three years, three times or three years in a row or? Three times. Three times. With that comes this, you, people, yeah, they're inspired by you. you, you you're, a, you're a role model. I mean, we still are, don't get me wrong, but when you're in that space where people are cheering you or, you know, you're getting praised, it's a, it's, it's a nice feeling, let's be honest. But um, what about when you sort of, decided that I'm just going to live my life how was that transition for you yeah that that's that's part of the reason why I was so interested in studying psychology because 
a lot of my friend group, so the oldest kid's dad played with the Knights for 10 years. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we were around a lot of professional athletes in that respect and then I did some work with, um, you know, professional basketballers, professional surfers and, and whatnot. And seeing that that post-career depression mm-hmm. of a sports person in particular is a very, very, very real thing. Mm. And, you know, without naming names or anything because that's their story and that's up to them if they want to talk about it, but witnessing a lot of that firsthand mm. was horrible. It, mm. it's, it's horrible. And then to go through it myself. But, mm. you know, there's a little bit more awareness around it now, but absolutely it's mm. like, you know, it, it's the same as when I think it's very similar, you know, when women have kids, you know, mm. they lose their identity again and they're just a mum and they're just changing yeah. nappies and now it's about these other kids and not them anymore. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that's tough right yeah. across the board and I've seen it so much I totally get what, yeah. what you're saying and, and, and yeah and I've felt yeah, that too good. absolutely yeah. yeah it's such an interesting phenomena I'm CrossFit just trying to be the best at exercising it's not like I'm on tv playing so, do you yeah. know what I mean but it, it still was just such a really interesting um, watching myself go from being the top gun in the gym for example and then really stepping back because what I notice owning gyms and being in that competitive space a lot of females don't know how to compete. The claws come out yes. and it, it's almost like there's um, your high level, you know, like you, we made regionals and all those things. I consider that to be quite a high level because it's the, you know, that's the 3% of cricketers make it, right? Even 2%. But what I find is there's this space in between these people that really want to be there but they're, they're just missing out. And those seem to be the ones that struggle the most with this competitiveness and where's the humility and all that sort of stuff. I really observe it. It's such an interesting thing. Did and, you know that in your sport? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And, and I think I was only just saying to someone the other day, I think fitness, CrossFit mm-hmm. included, so fitness, bodybuilding, I, I think that we're in the only sport or industry where that's such a big thing. I mean, yeah. you, at the NRL, you look at surfing, you look at basketball, you look at soccer, and all these young guns are idolising the, the guys that have been where they are aspiring to be. They're mm. still just, you know, mm. trying yeah. for them, whereas in our sport, you know, you'll walk past a girl, like I walk past girls all the time, and I go, I know you follow me on social media. I say, you can say hello. Yeah. You know, rather than, you know, putting on a little bit of extra weight or, you know, puffing up your chest or, you know, whatever it is, or or pretending that you don't know me or not liking my things if you do like it because you've just said the same thing in your post two weeks later. So you've obviously seen, you know. I just think that in CrossFit and and bodybuilding and fitness, there is that, there's such that gap where it is so catty and it, and yeah. you're right. They, it's like they don't know how to be competitive. Don't know how to be competitive, yeah. Stepful at the same time. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, or it's almost like what it does is when you have one person that becomes better than you, it's almost like these people that aren't um, that sort of start to fall away because you always get. I mean, we know that the more commitment you put into your training, that obviously the better you get, and what I notice is like especially in CrossFit, for example 
that one person just starts to move away from that generalized pack and it starts to create this really weird dynamic and I've really noticed it um stepping back but you know I I know myself I probably I did it a lot quieter um but stepping away from that athletes and seeing these girls in my gym starting to beat me and to lift more weight than me and you know and and how proud I am because I suppose for me they're in my gym and I've taught them and you know they've been inspired by me at some point and they're still and they still do it's really lovely because I was like oh you know so inspiring Vic and I'm like oh my god you're doing better than me now right yeah 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 same <laughs> yeah yeah it's such an interesting thing now this is what actually kept me in the gym space like I'd have to say running gyms is probably the hardest the hardest job I think I've ever done but you know what's kept me there for so long is my fascination with human behavior Mm. there you go (laughs) yeah absolutely Absolutely. now that brings me on to you now you're a psychology student now what is it that made you want to you said before it was that athlete um like when that post athlete um depression is that is that sort of what sort of exactly what you said that human behavior human behavior yeah so not only are we um you know my clients often joke about it and say well you've been my psychologist for the last seven years right you know (laughs) Because you're there, you know, before you know it, you're talking about why your husband left you in 1997 and, yeah. you know. So you, you, I think that part of being a really good trainer is earning that respect and that trust yeah. in several different ways. So, of course, you have the knowledge. Of course, you have the experience. Of course, you have the ability. They see yeah. that all the time. Yeah. But, you know, th- there's a lot of those people um, in every sport that have the ability, have experience, are the best, number Ooh. one, that can't yeah. coach. Can't coach, yeah. Because they can't communicate or they don't yeah. they can create that vulnerability or that safe space or for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, for me it was exactly the same. You know, I still love the gym and I think that I will always train people in some capacity. I, I really do believe that that is what is I was put on the on the world and on the earth to do. You're a teacher. Um, to, yeah, yeah. Not, and not a teacher as in school teacher, but you're a teacher of life. Let's be yeah. honest. And I do and I do believe I can get the best out of people. I do yeah. believe that I can do that. Um and and it's exactly what you said. It's just that fascination with human behavior. Yeah. You know, why do I have to coach you this way when mm. I coach that person that way to get mm. the same result? And mm. why are you not attending you know, why are you saying you're going to be here three times a week and you, I haven't seen you three times a week in the last six months mm. and then that person's five times a week nonstop. So all those little things mm. that we start to understand and recognise behavioural traits, um, yeah, I guess like just trying to like figure out the science and on, on your side just, you know, that chain of why, why is that happening and what's mm. the block and what's yeah. the... And what's the triggers and, and all that sort of stuff. And I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so how far into your psychology degree are you? Where are you at? Second year now. Because oh, this year. is a pretty big degree. It's like six years, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for reminding me. Sorry. <laughs> I've wanted to quit a few times. I've wanted to quit a few it's funny, every time that I've got an exam, Matt will tell you, every time I've got an exam, I'm going, fuck this, I'm not doing it. I'm not fucking doing it. Why would the fuck would I do this fucking bullshit when I've already got a job? And and then other times I'm like, this is why I love it. Look, yeah. look at 
and that makes sense and I can relate that back to my life and this is what they're saying in that study and yeah. that sort of thing. So I think really for me, Vic, it's probably not, I might not ever be a psychologist. I think that I've got that sort of sports psychology end goal, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. and, and, and that's the thing with fitness now, like it's, you know, going off on another tangent, it's so fucking competitive. And, mm. and unless you're relevant, it's exactly what you said, unless you are at regionals and you are competitive and you are competing or you are winning these titles, you know, these the, the same girls that are, are paying you your weekly gym membership are, are paying these fucking online girls that have got these boob jobs and these butt mm. implants and fake lips and whatever else. <laughs> Lifted a barbell in their life. <laughs> and, and literally that is it. And yeah. it's like, you know, yeah, I think that that's like sort of been really, you know, as much, again, it's probably one of those things that I will learn to deal with better with age and with maturity. Fuck, yeah. I'm getting on. I don't know how much longer I've got to figure these things out. But, <laughs> but yeah, that, that that's one thing that really, really bugs me. And I think that that was part of why I sort of went into the psychology side of things to go, okay, look, if I'm not going to look like this forever mm. um, and when I don't, you know, how much of pull in the industry, how much is my experience really going to, That's right. um, you know, be able to yeah. provide provide an income for me. So um, but the psychology side of things and the sports psychology side of things, working with athletes, working with sports teams in that other side, on, mm. you know, in the human behaviour side, then, you know, that's a, a forever sort of career. Oh, 100%. One of my mentors said to me, Vic, you know, when you're in that top 10 field in CrossFit, everyone has the same skills. You can all do gymnastics. You can all do weightlift. You can weightlift. Granted, some of you have more strength than others. At the end of the day, that top 10 field has the ability to go to the games. What's the differing factor? It's how much do you want it? And that's a psychology mm-hmm. thing, right? And I truly believe even, even when you just look at within the gym, you know, when people throw themselves on the ground after the arm. They're so dramatic. It's like, yeah, I know that that was really hard for you, but you don't have to show everybody. All those little things, those little nuances that people do. And I think that you see that with people that train now. Like, you know, for for me it was like I I remember I just couldn't get out of 15 reps. 15 reps was my rep range for absolutely everything. And it was – almost like always I always had to go to 15 reps and then sort of on that 15th one I'd stuff up all the time like I'd really pull up and get tired until I sort of had to say to myself okay 17's the new number mm-hmm. you know so those last two reps were always really tough because I'd had this mental barrier of, of, of doing that so I think that there's so many different ways of, mm. of, of applying psychology mm. and and those sort of theories and those sort of strategies to our training to, to benefit us. And you're right, it's what separates yeah. the best of the best. Mm. And because because you're right, everyone's got the same skill level. They've all had the yeah. same training. They've all had the same coaching. They all train just yeah. as much, just as hard, just as often. It yeah. comes down to that stuff. Yeah. 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 Now, with, with you, your bodybuilding, and I'm definitely not um, versed on bodybuilding, what – would you have an element of that? To me, bodybuilding is such a um, uh, physique. It's the way, and you know, some. Do you believe some people just don't have the physiques to them, or people can get the physique? Do you know what I mean? Like, because it's judged on. Um, uh, don't you judge? You're a judge as well. Don't you judge on how symmetrical people are? Yeah. And, yeah. 
yeah, genetics definitely plays a massive yeah. part in building. So yeah. yeah, always. So you and 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 again, if it comes down to that level that you're talking about, where it's mm. the top of the top, yeah, genetics will have to play a massive part. You know, someone might have shorter legs, or they've they just can't grow their legs, or they just yeah. don't have one of those stomachs that exudes abs. You know, yeah. like different body shapes all the time. Yeah. Um, but that's like right at the top of the top level, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the psychology, I think, application for bodybuilding is more the dedication because, yeah. I mean, you know, for CrossFit, you know, you might eat for performance, which yes. is fantastic, and we don't eat for performance. That's right. So we're yeah. trying to just get our body fat as low as we can and maintain yeah. as much muscle as we can, which means we're probably not going to be as strong as what we need to be in the gym. Yes. Um, so that, that sort of, you know, creates its own sort of psychological barriers as well as your strength might start falling behind and, and whatnot. But yeah, it, it's, it's, and I mean, for that reason as well, because we're not performance-based athletes and, and it is just about the package that you present on the day, um, everyone trains a little bit different, different, you know, yeah, people might need a few different tweaks so it's about either your coach or yourself being so in tune with your body yeah. and knowing what you need to do like whether you need to do more cardio whether you need to drop the cardio completely whether you need to eat more or whatever I always yeah. said when Frankie was when she was conceived I was at the most my body composite was probably the best I'd ever been and um I'd come I'd I'd finished up you know doing um regionals and all that sort of stuff and I decided I was like Oh, it was when we when CrossFit changed the way they did everything and they went to these sanctionals and I was like, I'm going to train again. I want to get back out on that floor. I could do this. Like I was, you know, I was, in, I was 40, 41, 40. And um, I did and I really dialed in my nutrition for about eight weeks prior to it, which I'd never, ever done before. So I'd never, ever, you know, I just, I just ate as normal and then trained. So I'd never done this. And my body composition was insane. And I couldn't believe how much food I was consuming and, and how I started just modeling. Oh, it was incredible. And anyway, I, I remember saying to Brendan, like, for, like CrossFitters have a very impressive physique, right, for what they do. I always wondered if it was something that you could cross over to. Like I always thought to myself, if I could just chuck on a pair of heels and a bikini, I wonder what wonder what would the outcome would be, you know, jumping onto the stage. I mean, obviously you've got to be able to perform in the way that you do, but what do you think with a crossfit yeah, body? Absolutely. But, I mean, again, like, you you know, for, for me, and correct me because I'm not as well-versed, obviously, on crossfit, <laughs> but that their, their bodies are so different. There's so such a range of physiques that like you see bigger girls that carry a lot more body fat yes. and then you see girls that are ripped to shreds. Ripped, ripped um, to shreds, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would like absolutely. Of, of course it's possible, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. I think that the downfall would possibly come into the fact of, you know, the repetitive movements that you guys do. Yeah. Whereas because we are looking at, you know, it, when we judge, we're looking right down to the fine line. Like you yeah. can't just have shoulders. When you yeah. turn around, you've got to have a rear delt. Yeah, I don't have that. Yeah, and a lot of CrossFit don't because no. they don't movements. You well, start we actually did today. Like Pardon? You're starting to introduce more movements yeah, now. Yeah, we're doing a lot of functional work. Yeah, functional bodybuilding, or yes. they call it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have noticed that. Yeah, yeah, that they're starting to do that. But yeah, that's what I would think. It'd be more like you know they might have 
this beautiful, um, you know, beautiful glutes and, and powerful legs and stuff, but they might lose it through the back because what do they do? Pull-ups or those, what do you call them? Well, yeah, so, well, within our gym, it's, we always, we, we always, it's funny because CrossFit's always had that. They do pull-ups, yeah, but they're keeping pull-ups right. I'd go they don't do any rowing movements at, at the point when I was think like looking at it going you know for the for the rhomboids in that middle back yeah and so obviously you know we look at in bodybuilding that v taper that you're really wide and that you yep. come in and, and you know you guys might have it but lose a little bit of detail through that middle back because we go through every single minute muscle and I was really lucky with the um the coaches that I had because that was a really big focus was doing the bent over rows flies um, banded pull-aparts for I mean I know that's different to what you guys do because having a, a strong upper back was helpful with um, yeah, all, our, all our rig work and stuff so that's probably one of my favorite movements is bent over row I love it I feel really strong when I do it yeah yeah, yeah. well and, and shoulders and, and that and that's it is that you know just to make sure again as a performance athlete and that's all across all sports is that they all cross train so you know yeah. even though swimmers yeah um, you know, they don't lift weight as part of their, their performance. They yeah. lift weight as part of their training for that reason, to have that nice strong middle back and a, a well-balanced physique. So, yeah, that, yeah. that was always my thing with, with CrossFit. And I remember, what was it? I, I was trying to remember before I came on because me and Brendan were having a blow-up. It wasn't a blow-up. It was just yeah, like a fun. Yeah, yeah. Why do you have to fuck that, be in the front of that fucking mirror? Like get a, like get and I was pissed. I was pissing myself because he was so CrossFit and I was so bodybuilding and we always tag each other in the you know this is what does and um but, but yeah and I think I think that there's I mean I still do elements of CrossFit in my training yeah. if you call it that or, or cross training so I, I really do believe as far as training goes I know this you didn't ask this but that a well balanced physique is yeah. best and yeah. CrossFit great for that because you do cardio you do weights yeah. you do gymnastics um yeah so all of my athletes that I train for bodybuilding you know whereas a lot of coaches for bodybuilding pull cardio out altogether um you know I do do balance I do cardio and I do do you know little you know emoms yeah. or little yeah. supersets and stuff like that yeah yeah because I, I like the look of that I've got a bit of a confession to make. I, six months ago, I, I stepped out of the gym and I stopped training CrossFit because I was trying to get my nervous system sorted. I was so reactive. I actually have always felt that I was quite chill and easygoing. And so six months ago, I was like, nah, I'm going to quit CrossFit. I'm done with it. And I, I'm sick of training. I, I, someone said to me who is in the breathwork space said, you don't realize how much CrossFit plays on your nervous system. Like you, you think you're doing a good thing, but it's really, it's a lot, right? And so I thought, righto, I'm going to step away from CrossFit. So I started doing bodybuilding and I came to Brendan's this competitive side in me. And I came to Brendan and I said, I think I should reach out to Brooke. I think I might like to do one, a bodybuilding um, competition. You really should. You've got the, the, um, the base there absolutely so for two weeks I was just sitting on it I was doing all my bodybuilding stuff and um and then I said to Brennan you know what I just love food too much I just don't think I could do it I don't know how I did it like impressive I I watched these guys and I've got you know one of my girlfriends was just over at the states um competing in the IB pro league and 
she's just doing show after show. And I'm like, oh, my God, like it, it must be easier, I think, for girls like that that don't have kids, I do yes. think, you know, yeah. because you don't sort of, you know, you, you can be a lot more selfish, as you know, and bodybuilding is a very selfish sport. It's weighing out your food. It's eating at this time, getting this much sleep. It's yeah. right down to, it's yeah. not, you know, when you walk out the gym, it's all over until the yeah. next time that you walk back in the gym. It's that's a lifestyle. Thing. Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, just that food, like, yeah, yeah. Just, just not being able to, you know, cut the crust off a sandwich and being able to have one, that sort of stuff, <laughs> that freedom, you know. That's like, no, I can't do it at the moment. And yeah. I'm one of those people that I won't say I'm going to do something unless, unless I'm going to do it. Unless you can go all in. Yeah. So how did you meet Matt? We met in a gym. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yep, through a mutual friend who yeah. – um, who is a bodybuilder as well, um, but just yeah, someone that I've, I've ne- I don't think I'd ever dated really anyone in Newcastle. Um, as I said, two years I was single for two years. Went on one date at the twelve month mark, and I, I, you know what? That was the biggest, the biggest time of self discovery for me because it really made me sit back and go, okay. What do I really want? Mm. What is really what is best for me, mm. and what is best for my children? And I kept going through this pattern of, you know, I was, I was always dating professional athletes, always Vic. Like for some mm. reason, like I mean, they were in the sort of the field and the industry that I was in, and the events that I'd go to all the time. So, um, can I can I can be honest and say it to you? It was almost like if you weren't, you sort of weren't on my radar. You weren't. Yeah. You know, it sounds so superficial. It's almost like embarrassing to say it, but it is pathetic um, because then I found someone that who was so far the other end yeah. and I'm the happiest that I've ever been in my life. Interesting. You know, so yeah. um, and and I and I said that and, I, and I'm, I'm a really big believer of manifestation and that's all I did. Yeah. I was like and I finally got to a point where, you know, I could never be alone. You know, if as soon as I felt one relationship was just about at the end, as soon it was as it was at the end, I had the next one ready to go. Yeah, you know, I was a relationship person. I was, you know, first boyfriend was four years, then I met the kids dad, and that was twelve years, and then I went to the next one, which was six years, and so I was always a relationship person. I've never, you know, whether it comes from my mum or whatever, could never be alone. So I was like, fuck, Brooke, something's got to change. Yeah, and you're going to be alone. Yeah. And you're going to be alone for 12 months. And that's what that's the goal that I set for myself, that I was going to be alone for 12 months. I wasn't going to reply to an inbox, a DM. I wasn't going to be in, in any situation where I thought there might be something that I would yeah. be able to hook up with someone or anything for 12 months. And then on that 12 month, it was sort of like 12 months and one week I went on this date because mm-hmm. I met my goal. I was like, fuck, that wasn't all it cracked up to be. I, I think I'm all right. And it got to the point where I honestly said to myself and believed it because I used to say it a lot and not believe it yeah. that I'm okay. Like if, if if this is the rest of my life and it's just me and my kids, mm. I'm, I'm all right with it and I'm mm. comfortable and I'm happy and I think I might even like it better that way. Yeah. And and as soon as I sort of did that and believed it, so not yeah. just said it, yeah. trying to tell myself that that's out how I felt, <laughs> But as soon as I actually believed it, it yeah. was like I met Matt like the next week. Yeah, it's always the way. Always the way, yeah. you know. And and I think that the reason our relationship is so wonderful is because I had done all that work mm. and I, 
I knew exactly what I wanted and I wasn't going to settle for anything. And we took it very, very slow. And he was just like, he just kept thinking I was leading him on and that I had no real intention of, you know, starting a relationship with him or anything because I was just so unsure of I ever really wanted to be in a relationship ever again. And 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 it's funny because he even said to me the other day, I remember when you said, do you think that you could ever be with someone and live apart? Like could you be with someone? And, and, and he goes, and I remember just thinking, motherfucker, like you are weird as fuck. Like how can you be with someone and live apart? But I was so so comfortable being alone and doing things my way and I was finally in a, in a really good place but but yes and that's how we met it's just that as soon as I sort of it was that two-year mark you know didn't sleep with anyone and met him and I was like yeah he's the one he's yeah. and, and so he just ticked all my boxes that I had and then every single box along the way knowing that if he didn't I was just gonna go oh no it's okay thank you but no yeah. and he just did and continues to so yeah. Very, very well. That's so cool. That is and nice. How long have you guys been together now? We we will be we would have known each other in for three years next week. Yeah. Yeah. That's so exciting. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And what what about you and Brendan? Because I've never really asked you guys that. Yes. Well, again, I manifested him. I'd come out of a 12-year relationship, which was pretty hectic two years that I was on my own, but it was also the best two years. It was hectic in the way that I was going through court and all this sort of stuff. I was on an AVO six months after we split up. Yeah, and so it was just a bunch of games over the two-year period. It was really, it wasn't pleasant. And But the best thing that happened to me was at that six-month mark when I ended up on an AVO, it was the best thing that could possibly have happened because I couldn't contact him anymore and he could can I, he ask, was, can I ask why you won AVO? Domestic violence. Yeah, but yeah, but what? Like would you um he you can tell me that you don't want to say it if you don't if you I I turned up at his house, which was so inappropriate, and pushed through the door, like just took myself in and he um I went out the backyard and he was I was ranting and raving at him, like, how could you lie to me? You took the kids to Melbourne this weekend and you didn't tell me about it. I was on my way to soccer on the Saturday morning and um, I get a text message saying the kids aren't at soccer and then hang up and the phone was off. And I was like, where the freaking hell are my kids? Mm. You know, it was just constant games like that. And um, anyway, um, I then... Cades rang me I was beside myself and then about an hour and a half later Cades rang me and he said mom I'm in Melbourne I was like what the hell like you've taken my kids out of the state like it was just inappropriate I just felt like I it's just something I wouldn't have done you know without sort of sharing as much as I didn't like him I just wouldn't have done it and so then on the Sunday I got back because he was with um my friend him and her got together and um, and we've since reconnected, oh, nice. which has been really pleasant. Um, she just shed a light on that whole period of my life and just shared with me things that I thought I was going crazy. I was in that six month period when we first broke up, that six month period, I felt like I was crazy. Things were happening and I knew they were happening and I couldn't prove any of it. And it was just really, it was really dark. And I was very reactive to it all. I should have just, looking back now, it's just like silence is the best key. Mm -hmm. That was the best thing. And it actually stirred the pot even more for them, you know what I mean? 
And, you know, after reconnecting with um, my friend afterwards, um, she filled in on all the blanks. I said to her, I felt like I was going crazy. And she said, you're not. Like they were happening, like it was happening. She told me everything. Yeah. It was really, got on the AVO and um, that's right, he was holding the phone. He was going to call the police and I grabbed the phone and he said that I swung at him. And I said to him, once they broke up and everything settled, which is interesting again, um, I remember saying to him, like, what the hell? I said, you know, you know, if I was going to come over there with the intention to hit you, I would have hit you. I would have punched you. Yeah. Yeah. Strong. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like I would have connected. I was not going to miss and you would have copped it. It was a blessing in disguise because what it did was it called me out and I had to sit there and I had to practice patience. So he would send me a text message which I don't understand because how oh, – I just don't understand. I thought when you were on an AVO that was it I can't see him or he can still yeah, – it depends. We were the same. We were on the AVO, the AVO as well, but he could still – and, I mean, look, this guy still contacts me. Yeah. You know, it must be when – but but it, it, it can be about the child or it can be – it just okay. can't be harassment or intimidation right. or yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. So he, he was still able to message me and I couldn't message him. So I actually got into this routine of I couldn't speak to my kids for a week because we did week about. I couldn't speak to my kids for a week because I couldn't message his phone, um, but he would be able to message me and I would get these messages from him that were disgusting. Like I've kept all my phones and kept all the messages because it just I just did. I don't know why. I probably should chuck them. but I do the same thing. Yeah. yeah, it was more just keeping it there. Just And I remember just I would be raging. I'd be like, oh, my, and I can't message him back. So what I would do was I'd write out a text message like this. Right, yeah. Yeah. Up a you know all yeah. these things, and then I'd delete it. And that, what was really interesting was that actually became therapy for me. You know, like it was like I would just I'd react, but I was able I'd delete it, and I wouldn't actually cause any issues. So it was a hard time. I got so good at not reacting; it was incredible. And um, so I'd gone from this hugely reactive person to just never reacting. Recently, I had a conversation with a friend. I shared something with her and she was very reactive back to me. And She actually said, you're you're being really aggressive. I'm actually not. I had my daughter in the car and I just wasn't. I've had so much practice at this that I'm, and don't get me wrong, when me and Brendan have an argument, sometimes I can be really reactive to him. Dealing with those sorts of situations. So it's, yeah, it was interesting. and when you go, yeah, because it's the same as like when we when we fight. But I think that like you know, I don't know how you feel, but when I fight with Matt now, and I think about the fights that I used to have, mm. I mean, sometimes like I I'm again a very confrontation. You won't have to guess how I'm feeling ever. <laughs> you'll know. I just just yeah. you'll never have to guess. Um, but he's such a such a gentle person and he knows me and he knows everything so that we have no secrets he knows my good my bad my ugly he knows everything that I went through with that relationship breakdown my part in it my you know what I regret um yeah Yeah. And, and I think that finding someone that accepts you as you are and go mm. it doesn't mean you're a fucking shit person just because you have these anger management issues or that you mm. lash out or but he's just got this way of because I do lash out at him still you know I still lash out at him if I've had a bad day with the kids and I've had to do this and he's left dishes or whatever it is 
And sometimes, it was the other day, sometimes he just grabs me in my arms and just says, I love you or something like that. And then I go, oh, fuck, I feel like a piece of shit. Mm. I, feel like, I feel like a piece of, where I've never felt that before. Yes. I've always felt like it's just and that it's, you know, it's fair that I feel like this and this is why I feel like this. And then when they react, it's like, well, you cheated or you did this or you did that or whatever. Yeah. But he's just sometimes like he hasn't done anything wrong and he still says sorry and then I go, oh, my God, don't say sorry, don't say sorry, you didn't do anything, you know. <laughs> it's me, it's me. But I've never been like that. Yeah. Because I've always been in that wrong relationship or that, you know, that just didn't fit. It was just bang on bang and toxic, toxic and, yeah. you know, that it didn't allow me that space to be a better person yeah. because I was always fighting and in that, you know, that fight or flight mode sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Mm. Oh, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, Brendan and I, we've been together for, well, we're coming on seven years now and um, it's it's been a real challenge and it's been no secret that I've struggled with being a step-parent. Like that's yeah, been yeah. the hardest thing for me. But, uh, you know, that first sort of four years, it's been the last two and a half years is when I sort of really stepped into this, like under, understanding myself on a deeper level and doing the work that I've been doing. And um, I noticed that, and, and it was because of the kids, because I was just constantly saying I was the victim in the whole situation and it's something that I've done throughout the life when it's come to relationships. Like right, your perception? Of- yeah, like woe is me, like it's everyone else's fault, it's not mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the same time I was really good at having, I still had awareness but it was something I was quite ashamed of. I could see that I was doing it but I didn't want to admit it to myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I yeah really noticed. So for the, you know, and Brendan and I, even towards the last two years ago, and even still recently, but it's not as volatile. Like it was quite in the early days because he's healing. He's got his shit that he's still got to look at. And I'm two years into looking at myself. It's definitely that karmic relationship. You're looking at your stuff. So it's challenging in such a way. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Being it's a mum. hard dynamic too, isn't it? Like it's. Yeah. You know, because yeah. if only you've, you know, you've got that relationship, which we've all had in the past, where it's just man and woman or whatever it is. And then it's like, then have my kids chucked in yeah. and all the dramas that come with them yeah. separately. And then kids' kids chucked in and yeah. the dramas that come with that. And That's then the right. past relationships and then the dramas yeah. that come. It's fucked. Like it's, yeah. an, and, and the, I yeah. think that's been the biggest thing for me with, you know, what I, what I always have to say about why I know that this marriage will work out is because I am more self-aware mm. and that you, we do talk through things and that it's, you know, that it's never going to be perfect. It'll never be perfect. Yeah. There'll always be something going on, always yeah. something. And it's just, you know, whether we, yeah, just, just never give up, I, yeah. I think. Whereas I, my first marriage, um, and it was a little bit different to you because I was on the other end. I, mm. I was the cheater. I was mm. the one that did the wrong thing. And it's the one thing that haunt, Matt will tell you, it is the one thing that haunts me Yeah. to this day. I yeah. feel still, it was 13 years ago, you know, and I yeah. still feel like a piece of shit every single day for it. Yeah. Um, but you know, to let that go as well and know that I would never do that again and I've learnt from that and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. I think that, yeah, just being so young in a marriage and yes. not having all this time and all this experience that we've had now to self-reflect and yeah. 
you know, dive in deeper and heal and realise things about ourselves and, you know, that's the best thing that, you know, Matt's 100% getting and Brendan would be too, getting the best version of us. Yes. that there's ever been, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. I um I I go regularly, well, I meditate daily. That's something I've incorporated into um the last um, 202 days and that was instrumental in um my nervous system. It, it it changed my life. It's interesting because when I first started, when I look at the work I do, I work with different energy types and there's five energy types and when we when we work with these energy types, there is actually one that plays a lot of um, diagnosis of ADHD, and it's the generator type, which is myself. Um, I'm manifesting generator, but um, uh, Brendan's boy is a generator. He has had the same thing at school, being diagnosed as they thought they wanted him to have all these ADHD tests. And working with my mentor, she's been working with families for in. 30 years with this technique and she said over the years what she noticed was children that were diagnosed with ADHD they were this generator type energy and we're busy our minds are busy all the time I've got five things on the go and it's like if I'm not falling into bed of a nighttime exhausted I'm sitting up till midnight trying to expend all this energy it's really insane so understanding that has been a really really helpful in the way that um, I've been able to navigate um, my own journey. I, sitting down and meditating was really hard for me in the beginning. Like, what the hell is going on? Like a competition as well, you know. <laughs> so that, that's really hard for me, yeah. Yeah, and it was really hard in the in the beginning, but that, again, they it's considered to be resistance, right, because our ego yeah. doesn't want to be quietened down. Um, it wants to stay there very active in, in our thoughts and the way that we react to things. and. So it, it got to a point where I was just like, no, I have to make the changes here. Like, and this is, I, I know that I can do it myself and I'm willing to do it myself. I've committed to 12 years of training through exercise. Like I can, I'm going to stick at this. And in the beginning, and sometimes I'll sit down and meditate and my, my mind is very busy and very active. But when I really start to focus on my breath, it's incredible. But over the last two months, I've incorporated somatic healing. And that has been a game changer. I, um, I had breath work two days ago actually and it was so profound and it was incredible so if I can offer any um, suggestions is to explore breath work because when you go into that somatic because our mind is there's no truth in our mind and we create so many stories Mm -hmm. there, as you know and when we can step back into our body and and what happens is all those traumatic experiences that we've had like whatever that is however you want to I I like to sort of um I, what do I call it? I call it something else because trauma just sounds hectic. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, that that it sits in our body, in our physical body, and um, and we hold it and we store it in there because energy, emotions are just energy in motion, and we're the only species on in the world, on this planet that stores it. You take it with us, yeah. It, yeah. Take yeah. it with us. You know, you watch dogs when they wake up in the morning; they shake themselves. That's like them moving the energy through their body. You know, it's insane. And, um, yeah, the, the guys out at the Open Mind Space, um, Murray and Renee, he does a monthly breath work and it's just it's phenomenal. Like I believe it should be brought into schools for children. Like, yeah, honestly, wow. yeah, it's incredible. So if you're ever open to it, you should go and give it a try. 
Oh, see, I need that. I need someone that I trust to say that. You know, when yeah. you just see it advertised everywhere and I go, nah, nah, yeah. nah. Yeah. But no, this particular, fun. the way they do it, it's called Spiritus and it's um, it's phenomenal. Like it's, it's I, I will say with the work that I've been doing um, on this part and the emotional and mental body, um, going down into my physical body and, and somatically releasing, it's just, it's it's been instrumental you know, there's the saying of um, the most successful person in a room is the person that is the most calm. Mm. And That's I just oh, I love it. It's, yeah, I just love that. And, um, and, and I can honestly say now as I'm sort of, you know, moving through this work, I'm starting to feel that. And, and I'm really proud of that, you know, from where, we've, where I've come. So, yeah, go try it. It's a game changer. It's out at Broadmeadow. Yeah, okay. Very. Yeah. Like your yeah, first time. It is because because that is you know, and I can say, I mean, you can say now, yeah. having you know, spoken to me for an hour, yeah, I'm not a calm person. That is yeah. not strength at yeah. all whatsoever, and it is something that I'm am wanting to change. So it's yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, go do that, and just yeah, try um, Renee. So I've worked with Renee. She was the one that was the catalyst into this. I signed up for a six week course with her. I, it was called Awaken the Witches, and I was like. I really like the sound of that. I might give that a go. And um, and I messaged her and I said, I really don't know what this is about. I don't know if I'm at that level, but what? You, like, I think I want to be in. She's like, yep, I've been waiting for you. I was like, yeah, of course you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. And um, and I jumped in that. And at that point it was we really had to establish a, an internal practice. And I had so much resistance to it. I, I did it and I was like the idea of it and I was like, yeah, this is not for me and I just couldn't do it. And then it was um, since working with my clients one-on-one, I was suggesting to them to meditate and to journal and to do all these things and I wasn't even doing them. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, you fraud, you know, like you can't and something I've been very passionate about and one of my values is integrity and I was like, hang on a minute, I am not being integ- integral here in the way that I'm s- working with my clients because how yeah. clients aren't going to come, the clients that are going to come to me are the ones that aren't going to be doing the work. They're not going to be ready to do the work. I have to be able to sit there and that will then attract the people that are going to be willing to self-lead and, and do the work as well. And so that was 202 days ago and, um, you know, it was a couple of months into working with clients when I realised that I was doing this and, um, yeah, started working, doing my meditation practice and it has, yeah, been a game changer. So, Right. And how often do you do that? I do it every day. Every day? Every day. So every morning I try to do it over morning. This morning I didn't do it so I'll do it tonight before I go to bed. Yeah. And just start off with like a minute. Start mm. off with a minute. Start mm. off with two minutes and then and just keep increasing. And now I sit for 30 to 40 minutes. If I'm pushed for time, I'll I'll do a cup like I'll do a 10-minute one. Um, but yeah, I'm I allow 40 minutes to sit. And it's yeah, it's incredible. And it's it's it can be emotional. You just you don't even know why you're getting upset and you're just like, or you'll be sitting there and you'll have like a memory and you're like, wow, this is fascinating like why is that coming up you know it's just that self-inquiry yeah yeah so if any if I can suggest anything to help with the calming it's turn inwards yeah right yeah it's been huge and I think too Brooke you and I are so um, masculine 
in mm. you know in what we do and I think um when we can and obviously with Matt he's really starting to nurture this feminine side of you allowing you to to step into that space of just softer and he's supporting you and holding you like a strong man should which mm. is really cool which is something I've had to learn and the only reason why I um talk about this is when I was in my marriage I had a hamstring issue and I carried it during my competition so when I was competing I had this hamstring issue I couldn't hinge I couldn't deadlift I couldn't back squat couldn't do a lot of stuff but then some days I could and I'd go and see physios and they're like oh you've torn your hamstring and I was like yeah but when I rest it when because I I went through a period of resting it for about four weeks it was not getting better it was just the same and it was weird and I had it I carried it for two years and I started working with this woman she was a kinesiologist or energy worker and I would leave Lauren's house and I could deadlift straight away or I could back squat, right? And I was like, this is so odd. And it was before I really knew much about any of this sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, anyway, I, I just carried it, nursed it, and I went through my marriage breakup and within months it had gone. Yeah. And then with Brendan, it started coming back. So about two years ago, uh, about 12 months ago, it started coming back. 18 months ago, started coming back, but it was in a slightly lower spot. It wasn't in the insertion. I went and saw this um, uh, this amazing Cairo at Adamstown called Conscious Body Work or Conscious Body or something like that. Um, Garth, his name is, and he works energetically and also has the practical of Cairo. And he said to me, Vicky, anything on your left side of your body is associated with feminine energy. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. And he said to me, it's something that happens to you when you're in a marriage, when you're with a partner. And I was like, wow, it's because I am being so masculine in my marriage that mm. I'm, not, I'm not trusting the feminine parts of myself or I don't feel supported to be able to step into that space. Wow, this is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So that was six months ago I went, right, I'm done with CrossFit. I'm going to really step into my feminine and just be a lot no, not so aggressive in my training and, you know, all those things. That was why I did it. And it's gone. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. Without, without having that training and being exposed to the stuff that you obviously have been exposing yourself to, I'm a massive believer in that sort of stuff. Yeah. And any internal sort of conflict that you're having does mm. present physically, physically. But more often than not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. massive believer in that. But yeah. isn't it so insane? And I've yeah. So it's, that's been my little experience. Even though I know this is about you, this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good to feel normal. Yeah, it's literally, isn't, isn't literally. It? And it speaks about this stuff, and it's no, like well, no one's brave enough think that, that they're ashamed of. I yeah. think you know, and, and that's what it is. And I think you know, before we started, you said, look, if there's anything off limits and I'll cut it out or whatever but I am an oversharer and I think that I'm an oversharer because I I do you know I want to help people that's right I think that you know it's not about saying oh, I've done this or this is I think it's more about like I've walked you know, I've done some stuff too and yeah. it's, haven't been proud of it of it that's where you've walked yeah yeah and and it wasn't always rainbows and lollipops for me and a great relationship and I've had to do a lot of fucking work and go through a lot of shit to to be there yeah yeah it's uh um I when I work with clients one-on-one I always because I look at them energetically and I can see it and 
and then they'll, they'll share with me what's going on for them and then I see it. I'm like, oh, far out. Like, yeah, I can see this and I, I can see it. And what I, what's really interesting to me is the people that come to me are people that are where I was nine years ago. Mm. You know, and so and they'll say to me, I was so inspired by your story, like it just resonated so much to me because they're feeling the same things, you know, like it's just and that's why I think it's such a beautiful thing to be able to share your story and, and you know, how can people work with you, Brooke, if they wanted to? Like are you are you taking clients on or Yeah, at the moment I'm I'm just doing online. So I'm only sort of taking ten at a time, which I'm sort of at capacity now, and it just depends on that uni workload so for me at the moment I've got a lot on with uni so I think that I think I've got another opening up at the 23rd of October and then that's full so I think the next one is is about 12 weeks after that so yeah rather than you know I used to have obviously I'd have the gym but I I was doing so much Vic like you know like running a business and working 14 full-time jobs yeah phones going off constantly and then you're like Fuck, I didn't pay for that excursion. Oh, fuck, I didn't text my client back. Oh, I didn't chase that payment. I didn't. Yeah. So I think, yeah, at the moment I've sort of just, just taking a breath, just focusing on a little bit more of myself and, and just sort of making sure that I'm only sort of taking, you know, 10 at a time to give them the time that they need that, you know, yeah. so I'm not sort of every couple of days going, fuck, I just need a day off where yeah. I can't. I don't need to talk to anyone sort of thing. So yeah. at the moment it's really just online training that I'm doing and, yeah. and, and not so much in the psychology um, capacity but more in the goal setting and, and relative psychology principles but but associated with goal setting. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it has been so lovely chatting with you and um, I really appreciate your time. That was a long chat. Yeah, no, it was flowing too, wasn't it? We keep going. I know. I know. I could sit here and do this all day. I love it. Yeah, I love learning about people too. We we all have such unique gifts that can just support people in in profound ways. You you just say one thing, and that can be enough to set you on a a journey. So I really appreciate that we have such similar stories. So it's nice to share that you're not crazy. I don't feel crazy and that that someone else has walked in the similar shoes. Because I think as a mother, it's um it's a it's a tough gig. We want to raise our children the best that we can and you know we want to we want to be we want to be that role model for them as well, don't we? You know, I mean obviously we we have our children they're so important to us. Yeah, and, and, and it's hard, you know, in, in a like mother as a mother, but also as a trainer or a business, a female business owner, you know, you're always that role model. But it's like, you know, not all role models are squeaky clean and we're not, you know, we've all had right. and and yeah. that's okay, you know. Yeah. But I think that that's the biggest thing is that, you know, a lot of people um, you know, hide a lot of that stuff or they, yeah. they're not willing to share or be open and free about that sort of stuff but that's the stuff that I think attracts people I think real in this day and age is so important because there's so much fake out there there's so much you know um so I think that yeah I've always really appreciated authenticity in people and I'm very attracted to people like that so there's a lot of people you know that have come to me and wanted to train or whatever and it's just like the energy's not there it's like yeah something something you know but right yeah yeah so so yeah no, I appreciate I really appreciate you reaching out to me and wanting to have a chat yeah I was so so excited too 
All right. Well, thank you, Brooke. Really appreciate your time. And um, so make sure that, oh, I've got one question I want to ask you. What piece of advice would you give yourself, your younger self, knowing what you know now? Knowing what I know now. Just, I think, to be kinder to myself. Yep. Just to be kinder to myself. And I think that a, a lot of the stuff that I, you know, I think I, I put a post up not long ago and I think that you actually commented on it or you reached out to me after it was that I've, uh, and it was something along the lines of I've got to start speaking to myself the way I speak to my daughters. Yes. And so that, so something along those lines, just be a little bit kinder to myself. Mm. You know, if my daughter makes a mistake, you know, I'm like, who cares? Don't worry, shrug it off, try better. And if I make a mistake, I'm like, you fucking idiot. Yes. What's with you? You yeah. know better, you know? So I think that that would be the biggest piece of advice. Had I, had I known what I know now, just to be a little bit more kinder to myself. Oh, I love yeah. that. That's so good. I love that. It's very, very true too. So, all right. Thank you, Brooke. So stoked to have chatted to you. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Brooke. I loved our conversation. She is an incredible woman with so much wisdom and knowledge when it comes to fitness, health, wellness. If you're looking for some one-to-one -one support or wondering how you can work with me, I have a few different offers happening at the moment with some really incredible ones in the Pipeworks. I have one-to-one -one coaching spots available, but very minimum, just with the season that I'm in at the moment with my family and trying to make sure that I'm available to them. But what is coming in the new year, in January, kicking off the second week of January, is my newest program for business owners. It's called Burnout to Bliss. And... It's a three-month program to rediscover your professional purpose by remembering the reason you started your business in the first place. You can move easily and freely from burnout to bliss when you jump into this space with me. It's a hybrid of mentorship and mastermind calls. There are guests, there are healing, energetic healing offerings we are going to be really getting peeling back those layers and getting back to the what it was that brought you into business in the first place which I'm guessing was freedom and to do something that you love and what I know from my own experience in business is it's very easy to lose track of what it was that you got into business for. So at the moment, that cohort is open for pre-sale, pre-pre-sale. It has available extended payment plan. So, you know, if money is an issue, you've got plenty of time to start getting in those payments and securing your spot. I'll be taking eight people through this experience so that we can really dial in and get very um, 
we can get very personalized because we all have our unique way of doing business and I believe wholly and solely that business is as much strategy as it is energetics and vice versa. If you don't have the two or a good mix of the two, then you are going to be coming up against a lot of blocks. And with this program, you will also have access to Remembering Resonance, which is this self-led program of understanding how to connect back to you so it's all about your inner work which is such an important part of business the other offering that I have coming is called parenting by design and this is this lights me up in such a profound way I believe that we as the mothers of our families have the opportunity to influence and impact our family in ways that we actually would not even be able to comprehend. When we work on ourselves and we support our children and nurture their gifts and their self-worth and their lovability and their courage and their confidence and their resilience, we are changing the fabric of the universe, the, the collective Okay, so this program is a program that I'll be running live to start with, but then we'll be going to self-paced and it will be kicking off in the new year as well. It's a beautiful program. It is designed to help you to understand, support your children. It's to nurture their gifts and to really help you to understand your kids on an energetic level. These experiences will be kicking off in the new year. There will be more coming up over the next couple of weeks in my social media. So be sure to give me a follow at underscore Vicky Dean underscore. See you next week.